Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you sometimes scratch your head when you read certain passages of the Bible? I think we all do. It doesn't matter whether the one reading it is a lay person or a pastor. One of those difficult passages is what we have before us today in our gospel reading. Parts of it, anyway. Even the disciples say it is a hard teaching. For context to our text, we know that this conversation happened the day after Jesus had fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. At that time, the people had proclaimed, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. They were ready to make Jesus king by force in that moment. But Jesus had quickly withdrawn from that place because he didn't want that to happen. The following day, the people realized that Jesus and his disciples had left that location. So they got into boats and went looking for him. When they found him, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus told them point blank that they were looking for him not because of the miracle itself, but because of the food. He asked them not to labor for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life that he will give them. The people completely ignored what he said, for in the next moment they asked him, what must we do to be doing the work of God? Jesus told them to believe the one whom God had sent. The people said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Remember, these are people who just a day earlier had wanted to make him king by force because he miraculously fed them. And now they are asking him for a sign as if nothing had happened at all. They compared him to Moses and thought that Moses was greater. Jesus told them that he was the bread of life that came down from heaven to give life to the world. He added that it is the will of his Father that everyone who believes in the Son should have eternal life. At this, the crowd said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? They are so quickly forgotten about the miraculous feeding. Jesus does not make it easier for them to understand. Rather, he made it even harder. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He wondered, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus brings in the matter of his blood. He said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. That was just too much. Many of the people who had begun to follow him even believing him, were completely turned off by what Jesus was saying about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, they stopped following him. As far as they were concerned, Jesus had crossed a line. But Jesus said the words he had spoken were full of spirit and life. He implicitly says that having eternal life now does not mean you will not ever die, but that if you die before he returns, he will raise you up and you will live forever, not by yourself, all by yourself, but with him and your fellow brothers and sisters in the faith, whether you knew them beforehand or not. 
Nobody had ever heard anything like that before. And they couldn't imagine eating the flesh of a human being. They were not cannibals. Didn't the scriptures even prohibit the eating of certain animals and fish? And to say you came down from heaven, which is difficult enough, and now you say you will give them your flesh to eat? If you and I had been there, it might have crossed our minds that Jesus was losing it. To hear what he would say next before finally deciding to leave and go away for good. Don't we do that sometimes? Even when we are convinced that somebody is not making any sense, don't we still want to hear a little bit more, just a little bit more, maybe give the person the benefit of the doubt? What Jesus said that day is a hard teaching, likely an offensive teaching. According to the law of Moses, you cannot drink blood, let alone human blood. But Jesus insists that it is necessary to eat his flesh and drink his blood for people to have eternal life. Jesus told them that if they find he's giving them his flesh and blood to eat and to drink to be offensive, then they should just wait until they see him ascending into heaven. Given that his ascending into heaven is by way of the cross, they should just wait until they see him hanging on the cross. Without the cross, he would not accomplish the purpose for which he came. All the miracles that he did would amount to just show if he did not go to the cross. Now, being hanged on the cross to save people from eternal damnation is extremely offensive because Moses had taught them that the one who is hanged on the cross is cursed. It is scandalous. What we have before us today is a hard teaching of Jesus. Many scholars have interpreted the teaching one way, others another way. The one group says the flesh and blood refers without any shadow of a doubt to the Lord's Supper. That is probably what would occur to you first when you read our text. Those who say it is the Lord's Supper also argue that it is John's way of bringing in the Lord's Supper in his gospel. Otherwise, his will be the only gospel among the four without the Lord's Supper, even though it is also the only gospel that does not say anything about the birth of Jesus. Jesus mentions bread, his flesh, and his blood. The only thing left is wine. But I say that's not a big deal. If it sounds like the Lord's Supper, it must be the Lord's Supper. Other scholars say, no, it is not the Lord's Supper. They say it might take our minds there, but it doesn't have to be. They say it sounds like it, but it is not. He just used eating his flesh and drinking his blood, in this case, as metaphors for believing in him. I'm inclined that this teaching does not refer to the Lord's Supper. They were not having dinner, and Jesus is not taking bread and wine and consecrating them and saying, this is my body, this is my blood, take and eat. All who believe in Jesus Christ, that out of his limitless love for you, he came down from heaven to be born, to live, to be crucified, to die, and to rise again, will have eternal life. And if you should die before he returns, he will raise you up. That is his sure and certain promise to you who believe in him. Jesus never had in mind to confuse anybody or to make a difficult thing even more complicated. He had a simple mission which he has accomplished. Believe in him and you have eternal life. He speaks of it in different ways, 
But that is not to point you to all different directions. It is always to point you toward him and his work for you. When the crowds and even his disciples, other than the twelve, walked away because of this teaching, that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to have eternal life, he did not call them back and say he misspoke. He did not call them back to give himself another chance to explain himself better or to say something different, something more palatable to win them back. He did not because he had not come to make a name for himself. He had come to teach the real truth of God, to call people to repentance, to die and to rise again, so that God's punishment for us, for breaking his law, will not be visited upon us, but will be laid on him completely. Several times in our text, Jesus promises that those who feed on him will live forever. And he also promises that on the last day, he will raise up those who eat his flesh and drink his blood. His main reason for coming into the world was to give eternal life to all believers. Now, eternal life could be yours just by him saying so, by him declaring that it is so. But he did not do that because he is a just and consistent God who knows that sin should be paid for. And he paid for it the only way possible and effective. He paid for it with his life. So when you hear your sins are forgiven, know that it is because they have been paid for by the one who gives you his flesh and blood to eat and to drink for life. Now because he has paid for them, he can also declare it to you, he can say to you, your sins are forgiven, all of them. When those who have been following him up to this point left, the twelve he had appointed as his apostles remained. You wish you could be in their minds to know what they thought about all that had happened in the last two days. In such a short period of time, those who were ready to forcibly make Jesus their, their king had abandoned the whole idea. They do not want this person who would give them his body and blood to eat and to drink to be their king. It was already hard enough to follow him, and now there's no way. They would not follow crazy ideas. As if desiring to know what the twelve were thinking, Jesus asked them directly, Do you want to go away as well? Peter answered on behalf of all of them, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. What a great confession. It was not by a superior understanding that Peter responded this way. It was the Holy Spirit himself who enabled Peter to make the confession in the midst of the most difficult teaching by Jesus. As followers of Jesus in the 21st century, we have our questions about some of the teachings of Jesus. But our lack of perfect understanding should not be surprising. We are hearing God speaking to us. The words he speaks to us, without a doubt, leads us to faith and keeps us in the faith. It is an amazing thing that God does for us. Our brother Peter can be our example, even when we don't understand Jesus perfectly. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit given to us. So we too, in the power of the 
are able to confess with Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are blessed to know that Jesus has the words of eternal life. Not only that, but that he himself is eternal life. Now to the only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory both now and forever for his endless love for you. Amen. And now we confess together our faith.